0: mechanical freak that podcast on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia today and we are back not really on the boat but the virtual boat the two (laughs) satellite offices and the headquarters being new york uh we are back Hi, Munya. Here with me is Brian and Greg. Hey. And we are back here in the morning. Yes, that's right. You will hear us maybe a little more clear-headed. We're doing this uh, morning uh, kick, uh, which you guys are probably all loving. And, um, you know, we're going to probably keep doing it for some time. So we have a pretty good episode in today. I guess first, Brian, um, I think you had a little uh, bit that you wanted to share um, from... A certain crime drama. <laughs> well, you know me,
1: Munya. I love the law. I like following it, uh, and I like watching it. Right, and so naturally, I've been riveted to the January 6th hearings. Not what? really, because, uh, like the most of America, I don't give a shit. But Sorry, I did give find a shit about what the January 6th committee hearings. What? What is that? What yeah, is exactly. That? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, but last week, for you know reasons, I was just found myself driving around a lot during the day, having to run lots of errands. And because I believe in self improvement, you know, I got I got my dial tuned to KUOW, got the NPR Ooh. going. Ooh. driving around. Look, guys, that's how much I hate
0: music. All
1: right, you guys think this is a bit that I don't like music?
0: <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, oh well, Brian's like music bit. You know, he's like really <laughs> committing to this one. Hey, w- w-
2: yeah. what about the bit? That I committed two years ago about, you know, telling people to stop listening to NPR and listen to our podcast instead. You could be listening to back episodes, reliving the 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 y- your younger glory days of Mechanical Freak, Brian. Um, so young, so innocent, or any other fucking podcast. Jesus, do anything else but turn off. Um, I oh, oh like God. the rest of our listeners it's did not brain listen poison. To Greg. poison. kept listening but
1: it was just so funny because i you know i'm just kind of like barely listening kind of flipping in and out as i'm going about my day and Mm -hmm. i get in the car and i listen to the interminable drone of these committee hearings you know and then they have uh these like talking heads on npr that pop in to interject commentary oh dude those are the worst it rocks, and I'm and I'm so mad. Apparently, the, this like audio isn't archived anywhere because I really wanted to play this clip for you guys. It was so fucking funny. I made a note like in my car. I like, picked up a little receipt off the floor and like jotted a
2: note of, like what time <laughs> oh of day God. it was and stuff. Brian has has some habits of highly successful people. You know, he's a good note taker. <laughs> yeah, and a floor
1: covered in receipts. But yeah, Thursday at like eleven forty five a.m. Uh, this happened. Uh, they were discussing Mike Pence's uh, you know, I guess heroism or whatever. Heroism. Yeah, trust me, that is what they came down to. But it was so funny. The commentator came in and he goes, look, I, you know, he's talking about Trump's communications with Pence that day. And he's like, look, I mean, uh, Trump, he's basically threatening Mike Pence. He's like physically intimidating Mike Pence. Um, this macho behavior on the part of Donald Trump it's you know it's it's unacceptable i mean i you just can't you can't believe it and i'm like wow what did, what did donald trump do did he threaten to beat him like don junior or something like that
0: he gave him an offer he couldn't refuse
1: the reveal comes yes the reveal comes donald Tra- trump texted him mike I'm not gonna be your friend anymore.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my fucking god! <laughs> if this
0: you're was... not invited to the Mar-a-Lago, sweetie.
2: Guys, it's like you're not invited to uh, my Foursquare game on the playground. That's like, it's <laughs> yeah.
0: like you can't come to my birthday party at Pizza Hut. <laughs> Guys, I'm having a party and you're not invited. Has Has the GOP gotten too macho? I mean, this kind of macho talk. <laughs> you're not going to be my <laughs> friend
1: anymore
2: if you don't do this. I mean, no, my friend just... was
0: driving like from like on a road trip with his dad, and his dad turned on um at MSNBC radio and oh, um <laughs> oh. Oh. and like. They, oh. they they were like, I know, they're like, I know there's a lot of things going on in this world. Inflation is sky high. However, we need to focus on the January 6th hearings. This is our democracy at stake here. And this is what matters most in America. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, wow. <laughs> Incredible, right? Amazing. Like a birthday party invite, like catty, like fight between like, two people who have dementia in like different ways um, <laughs> are going to be the people who th- th- that matters a lot more than the economy for sure. Yeah.
2: Once again the category errors from the libs like yeah this is the threat to our democracy but like you're you're going to completely misinterpret like what it means for our democracy and what to do about it just like in the insane way you misinterpret Donald Trump as macho when in fact he is extremely coded as bitchy queen. Like, (laughs) like
0: they they just think it would be like a gossip, like a, like a, like a a gossip columnist basically. Like, you know, you'd be like on the news.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like this is nothing new. These people are totally ill-equipped to, uh, Run, you know, the cultural industry of our society, much less save our democracy or our phony democracy. But I mean, that you know, we could say that every day on this podcast. Yeah, it was just so fu- I almost
1: got in a rack. I was laughing so hard. Now funnier, amazing, I, less funny. Well, I, th- there's like, another thing
2: that I mean about that. It's like when you said that the the oh this macho behavior directed from Trump at Pence for you know, I, you know, because I obviously this is must be about like. When he, it was his turn to go in and like certify the election as uh president of the Senate or whatever I'm assuming, um yeah. and so like, if he was actually threatening him in some way as that related to like literally a coup against democracy, which is what they're saying, that's the premise here. Mm. To call, like, whatever that was that was actually serious, like, macho behavior would also be insane, right? Like, (laughs) if somehow he was making, like, uh, explicit or veiled threats uh, as a coup was unfolding to Mike Pence, to his safety, his future, whatever, like, that's not, you know, that's not toxic masculinity, like... That's something on another level, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, something else, and also something so, that didn't happen. Apparently, it just and then, and then it also, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, okay, so the thing wasn't that serious. So uh, maybe then macho could be a thing, but then it also wasn't that. Like they just, they just don't. I mean, these people are so fucking confused on every level, and they're they're in charge more or less.
1: Well, part of it is that they, they want to heighten everything to the highest possible level, right? Because they desperately want people to care about this committee hearing as opposed to the fact that the economy is like total dog shit and uh, the, the current president's about to enact a, a, you know a recession just to crush workers' wages and hike unemployment, right? So, like, please don't look at that, guys. Look at this thing over here. But because it's Donald Trump who they're trying to analyze – the best thing they can show is look at these mean texts where he says, you can't come to my birthday party anymore. And it's like,
2: (laughs) I don't think anybody's going to fall for this. Like this is not winning. Yeah. (laughs) Look, there is like, you know, uh, grave threats like unfolding against what liberals call the American democracy, like right now. And including (laughs) electorally, and they have been unfolding for a long time. You know, the the rollback of the Voting Rights Act. Okay. Like, and yes, like, uh, if people committed crimes against our democracy, including at the highest levels on January sixth or surrounding the election, if that happened, they should probably, you know, someone in a functioning system would uh investigate and then do something about that. But like, that's the yeah. thing. They wanna they wanna hype and heighten and scare you but only toward the end of getting you to vote or and juicing ratings because they're not going to talk about anything real or substantive. So, and that, that's, you know, that's where it falls flat. They know, we know from the outset nothing's going to come of these hearings. Uh, and they're really missing a lot of the point of like, if you, if somehow you were a a liberal and wanted to save your liberal democracy, that you know, you're barking up the wrong fucking tree. So
1: Well, a classic mistake in trying to make Mike Pence a hero in this situation, a man who's not a hero. But, you know, that's, I mean, that's, that article's been written like. Insane. And the, the, yeah, and like, the reason why nobody cares about this is because everybody knows nothing's going to happen. So who gives a shit, right? That's why nobody's paying attention. But it's just funny the desperate efforts to try and like, no, guys, please, please pay attention to this. (laughs) They're going to. Now, now, earlier in the day, it was funny because they were, they were, uh, you know, flipping out about the fact that protesters, they played video of protesters or whatever, not protesters, but the people who were trying to storm the Capitol outside yelling, uh, hang Mike Pence. And they're like, can you believe this is happening? And I was like, you know, the actual thing that I can't believe is that for four years, uh, you know, the Democratic Party were a functional party, right, and actually wanted to resist protest. Uh, the Republican party in any way. It wasn't just a partner in crime with them. Uh, the Democrat party would have hang Mike Pence be their fucking campaign motto. Like yeah. Mike Pence is an incredible piece of shit. Worse than fucking Donald Trump. The things he did in Indiana as governor are fucking horrifying and are a big yeah. part of why Trump was able to become fucking president. It's like, uh, But they're going to make him a hero, just like they've made George W. Bush their idol and all this kind of stuff, which is why nobody fucking trusts these people or likes any of these people, because you see this shit happen and you're like, these guys are going to be rehabilitating Donald Trump in like six years talking about why can't we have a good Republican like Donald Trump back in
2: office? I mean, mean, to be fair, that might be the line, you know, that that might not happen, but they'll do it to everybody else. They said that about George W. Bush, too, and they've rehabilitated him, right? You know, they said that about Reagan,
1: and they rehabilitated him.
2: Uh, Yeah, but I'm just saying that that possibility exists, Um, but, you know, they'll do it to everyone else, like, yeah, uh, Mike Pence, and then fucking, there is a worm going around in the brains of people uh about uh Liz fucking Cheney like fucking Robert <laughs> oh Reich god. oh my god shit about she should run for president and it's like <laughs> literally oh, Robert yeah, Reich said of Dick that Cheney. Yep. Yep. yeah 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 oh he wrote god a book, man article in the uh ed in the times maybe
0: his about. documentary saving capitalism was meant to be literal
2: yeah i mean that is you know <laughs> it's psychotic shit but any of that uh, honestly if you're going to back a try and back a, a conservative uh, villainous you know Nazi Republican I I think you'll have better luck with Pence than with Liz Cheney like a person nobody cares about or likes mm-hmm. for any reason
1: well and the funny part about Pence was
2: like his career especially outside of
1: Indiana I mean was done like you know he he that VP thing was just because Trump wanted to like dead fucking you know fish or whatever to be vp next to him uh so yeah like this idea of we're going to get the outrage machine going about the uh you know calumnies you know against mike pence beloved vice president and former governor of indiana it's like nobody likes this guy and they don't like him for good reasons because he's fucking weird because he's a giant p- fucking piece of shit who's like, who is the like Christian fascist that like libs like to complain about all the time. Like Mike mm-hmm. Pence literally is that guy like unlike Donald Trump, right? <laughs> you know, um, yeah. yeah. People hate this guy and you're going to try and rehabilitate rehabilitate him just to score a uh, victory in the midterm so the Democrats lose only like half the seats up as opposed to all of them or whatever, right? I, you know, it's, it's incredible. But it was a whole week of this kind of stuff, right? Because I had sent you guys this this uh, tweet here. It's basically a screenshot, right? That came about on uh, Father's Day, of course. So yesterday was Father's Day. Everybody's getting their jokes out. And there's this exchange. The whole beginning of the exchange is, like, kind of dumb and doesn't really matter. But uh, it's just this guy say making a joke, saying, don't emasculate your dad with brunch. And then Mueller, she wrote, our favorite podcast, jumps in and says, if this is satire, please make that more obvious. Uh, The person who wrote it then responds, why I don't work for you. And then Mueller, she wrote, wrote this, which all that is just preface. You don't really need to pay too much attention. This cryptic statement. Oh, so you're rude. Sorry, I lost my dad to Agent Orange. And this tweet hits different. Um, (laughs) Uh, So so uh, this led to an entire discussion of people being like, So what? I don't get the point here. And they're like, oh, well, her dad died, so now you can't make Father's Day jokes, right? That was one level of discussion, Mm -hmm. right? But then somebody did a little research and realized, oh, her dad's still alive. What? And so this led to, wait, well, then what does this mean? Like, what could this possibly mean? Like, we're staring at this hieroglyph. And somebody finally, like, cracked the code. uh, Like, uh, what's his face? at Stargate, who finally realized that, like, the hieroglyphs are actually about aliens, right? Yeah, James Spader basically cracks the code. It's like, oh, by Agent Orange, she means Donald Trump. Hell yeah. And, and it was so funny because last week, again, there was another Twitter kerfuffle about a tweet that an Australian guy had tweeted that was a joke about like losing your job. And it went viral in Australia. And then like Americans got a hold of it in like just wouldn't stop whining and complaining about this tweet that they just clearly didn't understand because they didn't understand any of the references or anything. And if you actually read the tweet as American, it's like completely illegible because it's all these Australian references. <laughs> Unless you have a, an unhealthy relationship with that country, you probably don't get. And I swear to God, I felt the same way reading this tweet from Yolo she wrote. I was like, this is written by an alien.
0: Like, <laughs> like, Wait, so she... But, okay, so she said she lost her dad to Trump... But, uh, yeah, so but her dad's still alive. Like, I, I'm sorry. So the I'm, I'm going to miss
1: <laughs> her, Yeah, the premise of this, I guess, is that her dad is like a Trump voter or something.
0: Oh, oh, and So okay. they don't talk
1: anymore okay. or whatever, right? Okay. But Agent Orange is obviously, again, one of these like little code words that gets used in the world's tiniest online niche of people who like actually give a shit about this stuff. We're like following the January 6th committee minute by minute and stuff. And I think these people have much like Fox news. It's like talking to QAnon people where they'll tell you stuff and you just look at them and you're just like, what the fuck are you? Like, I, I honestly don't even
0: understand like what you're talking. Like, I feel like I'm listening. I can't, to- I can't like, even like comprehend word. what you're saying to critique it. Cause I just <laughs> yeah, don't Yeah, like the I words, don't understand what words like that got conjoined together. Even
1: yeah, the, in or the order
0: that you placed them have no meaning. <laughs>
1: right. And like in you, when you, I swear the libs have gone down the same path where they've just become illegible to anybody outside of this, you know, just niche bubble that they're in. And which just guarantees that we're going to get more of this forever. But it's uh, it's been fascinating to watch. Good social
2: experiment in real time. Yeah. Dispiriting stuff. Uh, The world just gets... Uh, more baffling day by day i don't know there's no one there's no one on our side there's no one out there looking out there's just two like insane factions of capital that're just insane for opposite reasons and mm-hmm. uh or or I- insane factions of the uh the servants of capital who like whose job it is to pretend to oppose each other and the people they get to perform that are just getting more and more insane mm hmm as uh, they have to, because like the contradictions mount, and the decades of the like uh, consensus of like the two parties like being exactly the same like is getting, you know, is getting through to people is like the the problems with that are mounting, and like so now you just have to the mouthpieces for like no really vote for Democrats have to be more and more fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> like the, the yeah, I mean, <laughs> NPR yeah. has to get even dumber. MSNBC has to get even dumber. And then the people outside of that um, have to get even crazier. So like these people, like, uh, you know, Mueller, she wrote, and those sort of that world on Twitter is like the, the, the air America of, Today, you know, 20 years later, it has to be even more yeah, out there yeah. and weirder and more inscrutable and uh, <laughs> like overwhelmed with inside references. And
1: yeah, to, to get one more bit of just fun Twitter news in here, I mean, listening to these two sides, it's like going to a head injury clinic and listening to the brain damage patients argue with one another. And one such brain damage patient, Nate Hockman at The Atlantic, He is doing this thing that I love that journalists do now, which is he just announces on Twitter, hey, I'm writing a piece for The Atlantic. Uh, Here, by the way, is the conclusion of the piece. Please send me your stories that I can fit nicely into the conclusion of this piece, right? So I've given you the first and last paragraph. You guys just fill in the middle. And uh, his sort of conclusion is this, right? He tweets, many young conservatives can point to a radicalization moment, there's an analog to this on the left. Young leftists often say they were radicalized by the 2008 recession or the failures of the Obama administration, etc. For young conservatives, it often revolves around experiences on campus or social media.
0: <laughs> oh, cool.
2: <laughs> Amazing. Uh, we we are not the same. I mean, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the global I mean, economy it, collapsed, the perpetrators weren't punished, uh, we continued to do torture out in the open and imprison innocent people, like on an island prison, like uh, blah, on and on, you know, mounting uh, uh, murder of innocent people, uh, you know, and uh, some, I, I was unpopular at, at school. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, this is, I mean, this like, this comes up every few months, I feel like, but there was another piece that was written just recently that people make a hey of about uh, polling data from one of these dating websites that said that uh, it was focused on women, naturally, because, you know, uh, <laughs> who do conservatives love to talk about? But uh, women said, like, overwhelmingly, they wouldn't date a man who was a Republican, right? If he said that he was a Republican and their their dating profile, they would just pass it by. And it was like 70% of women or something like that were like, yeah, no, thank you. And they again were' having this moral panic about this. and I love that it just comes down to, my repellent ideas are repelling people, and that's why I must become more repellent by the day. <laughs> you yeah,
2: know?
0: well, I mean, <laughs> so, so I, like, I have a friend who like went to school with someone who ended up like going and working on DC, and like was like kind of like a tame person and everything, like. But then, um, this person straight up um, became like a political consultant for like the GOP, right? And then, like, ultimately, like for like kind of like the more um Trump base and he put himself, his image and his like name on the record in this article saying how like uh conservatives are having a hard time on dating apps in DC. Like they mm. can't do anything. And uh, and he and he was like complaining about how he was like, yeah, I I, I do like a hundred swipes a day and I only get like two swipes back. Like and it was like <laughs> who who like who what goes through your mind to like, (laughs) to, to say like, to put your name and face and just like plaster it on the record to be like, yeah, I just don't get any, like it's dry over here, fam. Like, yeah, Yeah, I mean, there's
2: advertising it. There's that's insane, but also like, yeah. (laughs) Even making it about your politics. It's like, you know, it's a chicken and the egg problem. Like, are you uh, do you get uh, zero pussy because you're a conservative or are you conservative because you get zero pussy? I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, science does not have the answer to this yet. You know,
1: only, only way we can test this is uh, government issued girlfriends. It always comes yeah, to government right. issued girlfriends. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: sexual mutual aid.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, it, yeah, it's partially like women won't fuck me because I have these repellent beliefs. And the you know, which only makes me more, more repellent over time. But the other part of it, too, is this like I get yelled at or people don't like me in class because of my repellent beliefs, too. And it was always the funny thing about this this college debate, like conservatives being, you know, oppressed in college. Anybody who's been to college knows nobody likes talking more in class. Nobody like nobody is more resistant to shutting the fuck up than campus conservatives. All they do is fucking complain all the fucking time. They're always little briefcase cunts. Yeah, fucking flapping their jaws smug as shit dumb as dog shit none of them ever do any of the reading and are dumb as dog shit and just come in and go like I watched a movie when I was eight and it said that this is the case and like that's their whole fucking deal just to
0: play devil's advocate for a second (laughs) (laughs) take it from take it from
2: Brian i had and flashback and I, for a second when we did it i was like oh my god i'm <laughs> in mean, political science classes back yeah in, i mean, was just saying <laughs> like brian and i who have political science degrees from yeah. like state oh, schools that anybody can get into um and that's that's like the entire like classroom experience of that yeah of the uh, poli side departments uh is just that is just
0: listening yeah. to that bullshit uh, I just yeah, think like if Jeff awesome. Bezos, like rated all that wealth, like he deserves it, you know, he like worked hard for it, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's it.
1: Yeah. It, or like, uh, can I play devil's advocate for a second? Uh, these crime statistics I read in this book say, and it's like, okay, yeah. prepare for something extremely oh, racist. Great. But like, so for yeah. example, right. I, I had a friend who at the university of Wa- taught at the university of Washington, the class on the civil war. And thought it might be interesting to instead of starting the discussion of the Civil War, uh, like on the day the Civil War started, maybe to talk about the lead up a little bit and like issues like slavery and stuff,
2: right? Uh, uh, goddamn historians t- can, can't can't yeah. ever get to the fucking point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no. gotta gotta. St- oh yeah, started way before the thing we want to talk about. God, so fucking annoying. Yeah.
1: Well, that and, like, uh, what? We're not just going to talk about battle formations the whole time and, like, what uh, (laughs) flags different units had. But, like, yeah, so, you know, obviously discuss the issue of slavery. There was, of course, an outspoken, dumb shit, conservative student in the class who would never shut the fuck up, you know, would yell at other students for talking, all this kind of stuff. Didn't do any of the work, like, wouldn't turn in assignments, all this kind of stuff. The class comes in, and, of course, he fails, right? And... He complains to the university and says, well, I failed because the class is racist against white people. It's at the University of Washington, like half the class is fucking white and they're not failing, you know, <laughs> like, but it's racist against white people because it talks about slavery. And the history department's resolution to this was just give him the minimum grade to pass, which I think was like a B minus or something. It's like, just give him that and he'll go away and we don't have to we don't have to deal with him anymore. And that was the resolution that the college came up. With. Society, that is how colleges actually them. fucking work yeah yeah, and that's how colleges actually work that's the oppression conservatives are talking about on campus and you know it's uh, i you know you just hear the shit and i i don't know people are on different planets at this point (laughs) it's it's incredible
2: uh Uh, they're needy whiny little cretins
1: well, and when you're on the left, you know when you complain, what happens is you get punished when you complain, right? Whereas when you're mm-hmm. on the right and you complain, uh, you get everything you want because everybody caves to your fucking whiny demands. And- how how
0: how can we get like that, man? Like <laughs> shit.
2: Power. I, yeah, I think that's the <laughs> to say. being in charge. You know, um, yeah, working class power dethroning yeah. capital. Yeah. I mean, uh, okay. Speaking of people being on other planets. The uh, the the our ruling class being totally out of touch and incapable of making like a judgment uh, of any kind, and I mean you know brace yourself for we're about to talk about a meeting of the minds uh, of two of the uh, most sort of diseased classes of people on Earth, and that is the British and the Clintons. uh, Match made in heaven. Yeah, I'm sorry to have to relay a bit of this conversation. You know, I mean, if you're online, maybe you saw this because it's horrifying. Um, uh, This is from the Financial Times, and I was going to read the sort of uh, screenshot that was going around um, in which Hillary Clinton, um, who, uh, you know, first of all, just won't go away, uh, (laughs) is, you know, Presumably been asked a bunch of other stupid shit. And uh, we get to this part uh, in the interview and the writer says, my espresso has arrived. Clinton asks for more iced tea. I cannot allow the lunch to end without questioning the direction of her party. I say that Democrats seem to be going out of their way to lose elections. I mean, I agree with this. That's true. Uh, So long as there's
1: nothing else to that
2: statement, they are correct. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) By elevating activist causes, uh, citation needed. Mm -hmm. Notably, and here it comes. The transgender debate. Hell yeah. Which, I mean, already, I mean... The Democratic Party, too nice to trans people. (laughs) You got to ask, what fucking debate is
1: it exactly? I thought it was weird when Joe Biden uh, sent out those relief checks, COVID relief checks, and it said only, you know, only redeemable if you are trans on
2: them. I I thought that that was (laughs) a strange choice to make. Notably, the transgender debate. Okay, this is. Why they're deliberately losing elections, which are relevant only to a small minority. My God, (laughs) what sense does it make to every sentence of this is so fucking cursed like yeah. Oh, God, it's only relevant to a small minority. So this is the British half. This is how fucking disease the trans debate, meaning should we let them live or die? We're only yeah. relevant to a small minority. <laughs> trans people, people who might want to be trans, people who know those people, uh, human yeah. beings, a small minority of yeah. human beings. Who are we and consigning now? to death? Only like a million people. I mean, and how much now could it, now it be? comes to. <laughs> how petty it is as well. What sense does it make to depict J.K. Rowling as a fascist? Well, there. Now we're getting to the real complaint here,
1: which is a beloved British celebrity has been attacked.
2: Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> all and, forces uh, rally to defend. The the. The idea, though, that that could possibly be connected to the Democrats losing elections like like anyone in America gives a shit about J.K. Rowling like that is anything but a niche online issue that she's such a horrible person. Obviously, this is a issue of major debate in Britain because Britain is uh, a disgusting and evil place. And but like the idea that this has any bearing uh, on the Democratic Party in America is is astonishing. OK, uh, completely insane uh, line of questioning. She goes on I'm to I'm sure Hillary surprise, points that out, right?
1: <sighs> Hillary's like, this is an insane line of questioning. We don't even talk about J.K.
2: Rowling in the U.S. Like, if there's anyone right? who knows about losing elections, it's Hillary Clinton. So, I mean, <laughs> she should have a, a real perspective on this. <laughs> to my surprise, Clinton shares the premise of my question. And <laughs> <the surprise laughs> we shouldn't really <laughs> be surprised on some level that, but like uh, the series, there's, there's a level on which I will express later a, a slight bit of surprise or at least like an, uh, an observation of something new. Madam Secretary responds, we are standing on the precipice of losing our democracy. Everything is, is uh, you know, is at this level. And mm-hmm. everything that everybody else cares about then goes out the window. Look, the most important thing is to win the next election. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop. Stop it. The alternative is so frightening that whatever does not help you win should not be a priority.
1: I love this just cognitive dissonance of, look, guys, uh, we are lose our democracy to, you know, fascism, a search fascism. So the most important thing to do is vote, right? And I love this because, you know, the reason why this works for Democrats is for them, everything is a TV show, right? So they're, the idea that they'd have to participate in anything is obviously not, it's foreign to them. But I just love the idea of like, look, guys, stormtroopers are in the streets. So uh, I don't know. You better go uh, put that piece of paper in a ballot box. That'll definitely stop. <laughs> stop what's coming down okay. the road from happening. happening. Right. So so you that know? right there
2: obviously is a, a self-interested category error here of like yes like it's just about winning the next election that's when to stop even though i mean they're literally in power right now like yeah the, the, (laughs) the lunacy of this i mean they're just not doing all this stuff they've not done everything to to protect us from you know looming fascism and the end of their liberal democracy all this all this time blah 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 uh but the premise here that she goes along with, that she's like, Yeah, you got basically you got a good point. We should toss this, is the way we're going to do that, the way we're going to win is by selling you out. Yep. Is by selling out a bunch of people and their, you know, their their minority concern, their special interests, like their life, their identity, their themselves. Uh, their place in society, their access to the needs to live and healthcare and everything. The way we do this is to sell these people out, sell out anyone we have to, even things we might consider our own principles, Mm? though I think that's not the case here, to win the next election. And like, this is coming from, you know, the people who fucking Hillary Clinton, the Democrats, the people who will look you in the face face today and say that over time, over the decades and especially, and they'll say they've been saying this in real earnest over the last 10 years, we're the people, we the Clintons, the Democratic Party who brought you gay liberation in America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, like a, a patently false like notion, <laughs> like Hillary Clinton literally ran for president against equal protection under the law for gay people in America. Uh, mm-hmm. specifically on our platform, as did Barack Obama. You know, everyone, even the fucking San Francisco Democrats, Feinstein and and Pelosi, were all always most notably well-blind, yeah. well-behind these issues for all the decades they were in power. But they will say, like, yeah, we're the party of uh, gay liberation, of gay rights, of pride, of uh, inclusivity. They will sit there and tell you this, even though they did fucking nothing, even though, You know, activists, gay communities for decades worked to push um, the culture to a place where the Supreme Court had to step in and do one of its duties, which is, you know, resolve uh, contradictions uh, when they need to happen in a way that just says – Oh, yeah, well, you know, as we look at our Constitution now from the light of progress today, since, you know, history bends towards justice, we now see like we need to uh, establish these rights. But we do it in a way that preserves our anti-democracy, that preserves like the um, impotence of democracy, of the legislature, of Congress, of passing legislation and, you know, restricts actual progress to just it just it just happening because like uh, the 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 umpires like called it uh, because mm-hmm. like everyone is on board now. But then they'll they'll sit there and tell at the same time the Democrats will say, yeah, but somehow we did that. These are those people showing now as as they'll still tell you that, but they'll now show you as, a, you know, a brave person group of people decide to take gender into their own hands they will tell you fuck those people sell them out get rid of them and the thing the thing is this is going to backfire of course on the democrats but of course it it that's not a that's not good news even because (sighs) the enemy of our enemy is not our fucking friend it's going to backfire on the democrats gonna be it's going to Uh, be great for the fucking Nazis and the transphobes and everybody else who wants to stamp out fucking, you know, the progress of various uh, movements of liberation, including all LGBTQ concerns. This is the Democrats saying, we're going to sell you the fuck out. Well, this is like, you know, it's perfect that Hillary's saying this because this
1: is the Clintonite logic that's undergirded all of Bill's campaigns. Yeah going back to the 1980s when he was part of the DLC, the Democratic Leadership Conference, right, and the New Democrats, and their whole thing then, when trans wasn't the issue of the day, but, you know, black people and civil rights was the issue of the day, you know, Bill's point was, look, black people have to vote for us because the Republicans are, you know, essentially a white supremacist party. So we had the black vote captured. So not only should we not give them anything, because why, uh, but also, like, we could maybe punish them and get some of those Republican votes. And so, Bill Clinton's whole strategy and the DLC's whole strategy, which by the way, Joe Biden was a part of and things like that, but their whole strategy was we should mirror the Republican Party as closely as possible, right? So that we can outflank them on the right on certain issues. We'll sell out all our base because our base has no other choice but to vote for us, anyways, right? That's how they saw it, at least. And you know, that's that's how we'll win elections in the last 30 years have been the result of this policy. And it's all based on this idea of, you know, if you wanted to be charitable to the Clintons, it's based on this idea that the Republican Party
2: won't just move further to the right every time you yeah. do this. Uh, your I, I, moving further to the right won't <clears throat> el- enable that. Like, obviously, yeah.
1: That all you are do is shifting what's considered acceptable politics to the right constantly. Now I think they knew that and didn't care, but you know you could be charitable if you want and just say that they didn't anticipate that. Uh, I mean, thirty plus years on, I mean it, it's kind of shocking to keep up the illusion that Hillary hasn't noticed this, right? But her basic premise, I think she would tell you, if she's being honest, is that well, what are trans people going to do? Vote for Republicans? Fuck them. Like, they have to vote for us. You know, and she is willing to tell people all the time, like, you have to vote for me. I don't have to do anything for you. You have to vote for me. That is your obligation, right? And, It's your failure when it doesn't work. And maybe we can win some Republicans if we just move further to the right. And I mean... This has been the Democratic Party's project. This is why the left has said all the way back to the 1930s that liberals bring about fascism. They are the midwives of fascism. Yeah. They bring it into being through their actions because they want to crush the left and they do not want and they are trying to tie themselves to money as much as they can, which is what the DLC was saying. The DLC openly said. We gotta get that money. We gotta tie ourselves to professional class, cause that's where the money is. We gotta tie ourselves to corporate America because that's where the money is. That's how our consultants get paid. So what are our dumb children gonna do if we don't fucking get them these easy consultancy jobs? And the, you know, how do you do that? Well, you just start mirroring the Republican Party and everything it says and does. Yeah. Right. And you assume you can win a majority because you have enough voters who feel, you know, that they have to vote for you in a hostage situation. Uh, that you can, you know, defeat the Republican Party 50.5% to 49.5% in an election, right? And that's yeah. what they aim for. That's their goal.
2: It, so that, that I think, you know, sums up the, the larger, like, structural reasons that they're primed to, you know, to find this issue because it's rising on the right, you know, and n- instinctually turn against it. But, you know, these things happen through specific processes. And I think one that occurs to me that I find uh, deeply unsettling is like the path that this has taken into the liberal Democrat imagination. And because it's like, you know, it's easy to imagine, I think, you know, if you are like a liberal, uh, you know, urban liberal who is not like a a total piece of shit and thinks like, yes, trans liberation is this great thing that's happening. You know, you might imagine that like, oh, okay, like society has opened up for uh, gay people over the last decades, again, to the point that, like, you know, the Supreme Court has changed the laws several times. And you might like a lot of people imagine like, oh, yeah, the blooming of sort of trans identities as a, you know, a movement of people like, you know, like taking power over their own gender is like a natural extension of that, that that'll just keep going in that direction. And this will, you know, uh, the arc of history, et cetera, you know, mm. we're making progress here, but like there is a hitch in that it turns out. And it's not just from like the Nazi, the explicitly like Nazi, right. That's also against, uh, you know, all gays. There is this current that we have documented and, uh, On the uh, and talked about a lot on this podcast over the years of weird, creepy fucking liberals and gay liberals who Mm. are transphobes are have made it their like passion in life to be uh, anti-trans and to push this um, uh, assimilationist uh, trans exclusionary line. And I'm talking about our friend, our old friend Katie Herzog. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. you know, her weird freak friend, Jesse Signal, fucking, you know, Glenn Greenwald, all these fucking, and then, you know, people even farther to the right as well. And it's, you know, now roping in lots of other people too, as it becomes a major issue in Britain. And then now it's becoming like, in the, including with liberals, uh, or people who think of themselves as liberals and like, you know, there's this rising current. I mean, it's now like over two years ago, we read that fucking New York Times profile uh, of uh, can't, the canceled, you know, where Katie yeah. Herzog got one of her first like big national turns in the spotlight <laughs> over this, you know, over being canceled, over, um, you know, just asking question uh, questions about uh, trans trans issues. And what's disturbing to me is like, we've seen this like grow. They get more and more play on more and more outlets, more and more voices join the chorus. Now you've got like fucking Matt Taibbi going off the fucking deep end mm-hmm. with this shit. Um, uh, you know, uh, Bill Maher made a you know, a fucking idiotic rant about, uh, like, gosh, like, uh, seems like, uh, you know, trans uh, people are really uh, coming out more in. Uh, areas where there are more trans people. Like, I don't know, is it a social contagion, like a disease, you know, basically? Um, and now I think what this represents here uh, is that with Clinton, I think we got to assume like that that has reached the top, you know, this weird like fringe thing of people who once said they were leftists or liberals, uh, even, uh, you know, gay writers themselves being getting, you know, real fucking invested in this um, transphobia is, has made it to the top. Like it's arrived. It's, it's there. They're reading it. People like the Clintons are reading this shit and going like, yeah, man, I I know how you feel. The left left me behind too, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, that it is the activist class that are ruining our party. And, you know, uh, because I'm sympathetic to that, you know what? I see what you're saying about this trans stuff. Like maybe it is going too far. Maybe it is a little weird. Uh, maybe they should shut the fuck up and maybe we should sell them out. This shit has arrived at the top, you know? It shouldn't be that surprising. Again, like these people like the Clintons, the Democratic Party have should have no credibility at all that would make you think they would stand up for, you know, trans uh, rights. Uh, but I, it, that's that's where we're at. Like this weird fringe is mainstream yeah well and i think too it
1: is a perfect parallel of the feminist movement in the united states which of course hillary clinton would uh probably try and posit herself as a member of right and in a weird way kind of is which was you have a you know, working class feminism that comes out of the labor movement that has radical demands regarding wages hours those kind of things right and then you have a middle-class professional fem- feminism that comes out of college in the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, the daughters of doctors who want to be doctors themselves and things like that. Mm-hmm. And over time, the feminist movement bends towards, because it's easy for the system to you know, absorb this, mm-hmm. the complaints of professionals. His only complaint is, you know, there's not enough CEO positions for the women with MBAs from Harvard. You know? And Lo and behold, you know, I mean, that was Hillary Clinton's thing of like, uh, I should just be president. That would be feminism. Right. And it's like, but how would that help any woman in America? <laughs> you know, I mean, and uh, what you see to the LGBTQIA community is exactly the same thing, which yeah. is people who've already made it who are prof- you know, in the professional class have made it, think their position is secure, think they've got the bag are now basically like, why should I care about any of these other vulnerable people who, by helping them, don't give me anything?
2: I've got mine. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. I got c- mine. Kicking Fuck the you. ladder out as they climb up. And like, th- this is of course, has been our line all along on Katie Herzog going back, you know, four years or whatever. But like, uh, you know, there's another example of this. I mean, you know, tell me if this is a stretch, but like uh, in the news recently is, um, you know, this, uh, the arrests of all these uh, chuds who like, uh, Keystone copped into that uh, U-Haul in Idaho to go, uh, like, disturb a uh, pride event, you know, in uh, Court d'Alene. Patriot Front, explicitly, like, Nazi, racist, homophobic, mm-hmm. uh, anti-Semitic uh, group. A bunch of dumb-looking chuds all dressed up together the same way, put on masks, got riot shields, and piled into a U-Haul, which is very a very funny and weird thing to do yep. to come to come down and jump <laughs> out of it and jump out <laughs> of it and uh you know do something confrontation of some kind uh at a a you know the pride event in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho we're talking about here uh you know not necessarily like the most like uh progressive uh you know liberal area right. but like they were having a a nice little pride event and in fact, they were pulled over and they were all arrested um, for and charged with um, conspiracy to riot. Humorously, the reason why they're pulled over and arrested is that like a restaurant worker or something like that saw a bunch of
1: guys dressed exactly the same climbing yeah. into the back of a U-Haul and was like, that's
2: probably not good. <laughs> right?
1: Like, yeah. well, I mean, like They're idiot decisions like directly. I mean, it's so funny, but like, yeah. yeah it's, it's, a, it's a funny shit.
2: thing. These guys are dumb. I mean, it's that or that they're infiltrated by cops who are probably also uh you know yeah like we know a lot of these organizations are a lot of these events are plant you know pushed and orchestrated by um police this is a complicated issue we don't know that in this case but you know it has the hallmarks of that um but You know, we also know that sometimes, you know, police, uh, when they know about people and they have informants in these things, they let things happen as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. When it comes to like, you know, right wing uh, fanatic groups, there's all kinds of ways to look at this. We don't really know. But at the end of the day, what you look at, the story is like, hey, uh, these awful Nazi uh, homophobes wanted to show up at this pride event and at best, you know, scream awful things at, at people calling them pedophiles and groomers and shit. Uh, and at worst, uh, a lot could be a lot worse. And what happened in the end was, uh, the, the law law enforcement did what you would expect it was supposed to do. What you would, what you would think they would see their job as what you would want them to see their job as if you wanted them to have a job at all. And so the cops kind of did what you would want or kind of, you know, they're the heroes. Mm -hmm. They didn't do what they could have done, which is, let's say they're what we know uh, departments all across the country have done with groups like the Proud Boys and other uh, right wing militia groups, which is coordinate with them, be infiltrated, know what they're doing and actually help them harass protesters, turn their backs to them and protect them from uh, the sort of le- more, uh, left more left or progressive protest they're trying to disturb, let them get away with everything, you know, not charge them, not arrest yeah, yeah. them, text back and forth telling them like which way to go. They didn't do that in this case. And I think, you know, we don't know how to what degree they're infiltrated. We don't know really anything. But what you're seeing is. Even in a place like Court d'Alene, they protected the pride demonstration, And it's Mm -hmm. nothing new. We know like cops being in pride, all police departments want to be part of the pride parades. They want to put the rainbows on their cars. They want to do this. And I think what this represents the way to like square this of like, how are the, why are the police doing the thing we would want them to do? um, Is that the assimilationist gay, I've got mine professional class, like gay agenda of like Katie Herzog has won, has compl- ha- is like basically becoming hegemonic. It's So on the one hand of their transphobia is, and we're seeing that with this like Clinton interview is like, that's all the way to the top. The transphobia, like let's throw sort of these people under the bus. That's hegemonic. But also that's partly because uh, uh, of a piece with that is that the cops now do see it. As their job to protect pride, to protect the uh, institutions of like, uh, yeah. you know, professional corporate middle class corporate, including uh, assimilationist gay culture, you know, like that is that they've won. They've got what they wanted, which is white, comfortable gays in the professional class being out, being proud being a part of directing, society
1: directing traffic to a neighborhood of business owners who want the business.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> th- that <laughs> I mean, has won. And so the cops now see that as part of their job uh, to protect and they don't in their highly politicized context, they now see that as part of their job and and they're okay with that. And so what, in whatever else happened, like that triggered that response from the police there. Um, yeah and that is interesting i mean uh because when you coupled i mean on the one, on the one if if we if we were on some like march to progress on this issue you would say oh well that's good progress okay like cops you know decades ago were raiding uh uh gay yeah, spaces double, and right? events and uh you know murdering uh people for being gay and locking them up and charging them with crimes okay now not only have the laws changed but law enforcement a Uh, notoriously inflexible and uh, cruel institution has also changed. But I I think when you couple these things together and everything else, you know, we've talked about when we talk about uh, the transphobia issue and like, you know, uh, cops at pride, gay Seattle, whatever you see that it's, This is inexorably coupled with like kicking the ladder out saying like it's just this. We draw the line here. Yes, professional, comfortable gays. You can be part of society. This is fine now, but everything else, uh, no. Uh, Anything more radical outside of that, certainly uh, transgender people, like you're out of this. You're not a part of this uh, protection, this society, and no, we can't change anymore. And and fuck you.
1: Yeah, and I I think, you know, or the professional class and the LGBTQ plus community, like their idea was let's attach ourselves to corporate America in certain ways, right? And corporate America will safeguard our rights, right? If we get people on TV or whatever, they will safeguard our rights. But the problem is corporate America is not a good steward of people's rights because all they really care about is purchasing and revenue, right? And so... You know, they will go to bat to protect uh, good customers who make a lot of money and they don't care about people who don't have money to spend. Right. And, you know, necessarily because trans people are discriminated in hiring, discriminated against and, you know, all sorts of ways in education, all sorts of ways. Right. Uh, They don't have money. And so you get back to this problem in America, which is in America, you can have rights if you have money. You can have police protection if you have money. Right. Everything is for purchase. And if you don't have that money, you don't get it. Right. And the thing, the other thing about America as we talked about in the two part episode that we had last week about the Fed and things like that, which people should definitely go back and listen to is uh, less and less people have money every day,
2: <laughs> yeah. which
1: means more and more of us get to get under that boot every fucking day. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think it shows, uh, you know, How these uh, these agreements that you think you can strike with capital are always a devil's bargain. Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, we were going to talk about the Seattle getting a, I guess, a game or two in this World Cup bid. I don't know. I uh, only watch American soccer, which is football. Um, So (laughs) I'm not. Aware of what any of this means. Uh
0: promised- not
2: football. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mutant I pref- league football. I, I'm, I'm uh, only here for Australian rules football. I have an unhealthy <laughs> relationship with the continent of Australia. <laughs> Hell yeah.
1: Uh, you know, I'm downgrading it from continent. It's an island as far as I'm concerned.
0: Uh, imagine, but- I mean, imagine, like the tweet said, imagine 355 million Australians. Oof, oof, yeah. oof. So yeah, uh, be grateful, first. Americans. Don't
2: wish to. Uh, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um, let me just give you a taste. Um, you know, we're, we'll talk about this on the Patreon episode this week, come out in a few days. Uh, Seattle, the World Cup's coming here. Uh, sa- does that sound fun? Uh, l- well, let's hear from Bruce Harrell, our mayor. We will show that this is a great soccer city. It's a great international city. But for me, it goes beyond sports. It has to do with the attitude of the city. We'll show the world we have the we have a great attitude here in this city.
1: Oh, what a goal. goal. Uh, Excited to have your attitude adjusted, everybody. Yeah, I, I, for one, am just happy that we got I was a little worried that we might not have a mayor who loves sports anymore. And I'm just glad that we got another mayor who
2: loves sports. Um, yeah, that's all right. my so politics. That's, one of the only actual exactly. like constitutional duties of a mayor um, is to yeah. love sports. Okay, so we'll, we'll talk so about the Patreon, the Patreon,
1: and people who you know, we have two new patrons who are going to get to listen to that episode right when it drops. Uh, Lee and Eric, and uh, if you want to be cool like Lee and Eric, you know what you can do? Uh, you can become a patron for uh, a measly five dollars a month. You can get access to our entire back catalog. You can hear what happened in the rest of our story about the Federal Reserve and monetary policy in the 80s and 90s.
0: It's a banger.
1: You can hear us review uh, that Batman movie that everybody's already forgotten about. <laughs> 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 There's treats aplenty in the Patreon archives. There's even a like 15-minute episode of us incredibly drunk on the bo- on the boat at sea. Uh, with the mics not working properly throughout the entire recording. Uh, so just treats a Uh, $5 a month gets you there. Alright. See you on Patreon. Oh, and you can also get access to our Discord where lots of fun things are happening uh, and you can join the chat. Uh, too much going on in there. I can't follow any of it, but I, I hear it's good.
0: <laughs> good stuff.
1: Alright. With that, we'll, we'll leave it there. Bye. Bye.